0: Hello, I'm Shell of Lionhearts Fitness. If you don't know about us by now, please check out our website, lionheartsfitness.com. Free fitness for all youth, particularly obstacle course racing. Right now, here is your podcast, I Am Spartan Podcast, with our favorite host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy.
1: I am Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. Have you checked out the show's sponsor yet? Do me a huge favor and go and check out monkeygrip.com. They make these cool rope attachments that go around your pull-up bar, and they also go around dumbbells, too. So you can max out your pull-ups and then slip them off of the pull-up bar and put them on the dumbbells and do farmer's carries to max out your grip even further. They also make a monkey fist type attachment that goes around the pull-up bar and the dumbbells the same way. They also have some liquid chalk, and who doesn't need a little extra liquid chalk in their life? But go and check them out at monkeygrip.com and follow them on Monkey Grip on Instagram too. Thanks. Got an awesome interview with Jason Barnes, who is a race director for Spartan Race, has been working on and off since 2015, and if you have ran a lot of Spartan races, I assure you, you have ran one of Jason's races, and I guarantee it was a good race. Uh, Before that, I want to thank everybody that came up and said, you know, that they enjoy listening to the podcast that I met this past weekend in Nashville. Nashville's always a great race. It's always just such a fun venue to go to. It's it, it, it always turns out to be a competitive race, and it's fast, it's technical. There's just a lot of neat stuff about that venue, and we just have fun every year we go, and I plan on going back next year. Um, I'll do a little race recap of how my races went in Nashville after the interview, if you're interested in hearing that. But anyway, here's the interview with Jason Barnes. Jason Barnes, how are you doing today, brother? Man, I'm doing good, man. Just uh, recovering
0: from a weekend in Nashville.
1: I know. And you told me that you weren't going there to work this event. You were just going to hang out, but you were clearly working the event.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a, um, for me, that's a tough thing to do, you know, uh, is to be at any event. Uh, even Tyler, who was the race director there, he was like, you don't even need a radio. Don't take a radio. Don't do anything. But if I'm there, you know, if something needs to happen or if I'm able to do something to help out, I'm going to jump in and do it either way. I still had a blast. I didn't do much work, but, uh, you know, worked at the finish line a little bit. Swept course both days. So
1: both things are enjoyed. I enjoy doing so. It wasn't work for me. Well, when you show up to a race, I mean, I'm sure more races than others are always shorthanded on volunteers and they always need to help. So it's probably hard not to jump in and help, you know, especially because these guys that you work with, they're more like a family than, you know, like coworkers, I imagine too. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Fa-
0: family is an understatement. It's a, um, it's, it's a pretty, pretty tight relationship we've got with the, uh, with the bill guys and all of the staff that shows up for the weekends uh, for the actual race weekends. And yeah, um, I, I I couldn't
1: see myself being there and not working if they needed help with something. Right. Well, to everybody listening, Jason Barnes is a race director that works for Spartan race, but tell us a little bit of your background and how you become to get this position.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess I'm a little bit unique in the, from the aspect of, I actually came to Spartan race with zero, Production or event experience at all, right? Um, came to Spartan in 2015, um, kind of by luck, just kind of happened across it. Um, I spent 22 and a half, almost 23 years in retail, retail management, corporate retail positions. Um, and just kind of really got burnt out. Uh, did a few things in between. Um, just couldn't find what I wanted to do. Was was good. So I mean, enjoyed a little bit of time not doing anything, right? Not having much responsibility at all. Um, and then um, kind of made the conscious effort and decision to say, hey, if I'm gonna, going back to work, I'm going to find something that I, I, I can have fun doing um, that's going to, um, I guess, be, be a little more of a challenge. Um, Had a friend that had done a bunch of Spartan races and some volunteering and stuff like that. And just thinking about that. So anyway, I I applied Um, crazy as it is um, uh, totally not expecting a callback uh, or anything really Um, actually got one pretty quick uh, from Mike Morris. And if you've been around Spartan long enough, you know, people know who Mike Morris is. Mike Morris was kind of one of the um, original. I mean, he was around at the beginning, right? I mean, he was around when the whole product came to fruition, uh, in Joe's brain. And um, got a call, was invited up to Boston, went up to Boston, um, went through the process. And uh, one of the things that he told me is they, they weren't actually looking for someone with event or production um, management experience. They weren't looking for a race director, so to speak. Um, they were actually looking for what I was coming to the table with. And that was um, 22 plus years of senior level management and leadership and people management um and i had a lot of that so it actually it was just uh, more of a i guess coincidence and a little bit of luck um sprinkled in that i happened upon it and um it actually fit really well and um yeah made the decision to make the jump and man it's been a uh, been a hell of a ride ever since
1: so your first position with them was a race director
0: it was. It, I, I, from In 2015, I was hired as a race director. Um, I was kind of the first person hired as a race director at Spartan um, that was kind of outside of the original group of people in the company, uh, minus one or two people that were kind of internal put into race directing. Um, yeah, so I started off as a race director 2015 and 2016. Uh, then we went into what was called team lead positions. Um, basically, it was the senior race directors, um, basically oversaw the four production teams that we had uh, going in the company. And we had a couple additional race directors that kind of filled in the gaps because at that point we were, we had grown for, even from 2015 into 2016 into 2017, we'd grown enough where um, you just couldn't do it with four race directors or five race directors. So we had to have uh, a, you know, a a healthy backfill and bench for some race directors to fill in the gaps. Um, Went into the team lead role and then 2018, um, became the director of event management, which basically was the person that was responsible for all of the race directors. Wow. And then shortly, I I tell everybody, I don't know if it was luck or if it was just odd timing. Um, but they, they did away with my position. So there was nothing lucky about that. Right. I mean, I was very passionate. Everybody, you guys, that people that know me, um, and have, have spoke with me or act with me at events, uh, they don't pretty passionate about it. I, I really, really love doing what I do. Um, but when they did away with that position, that um, was that was kind of it, right? And so that's that's where I went for eighteen months uh, that I was gone. Um, and with them doing away with the position, i I left for a little while. And um, again, no hard feelings. I understand coming from a business background, coming from a corporate background and understanding how things like that work. Totally understand. Right. It's just that is part of doing business Um, and um, was by sheer luck. um, There were a few people that I kept in touch with while I was gone. Right. Um, One of them is a, a guy some people here might know. Um, by by the name of Garfield uh, Griffith, and uh, he and I stayed in touch pretty regular um, while I was gone and uh, just happened to be just, just on a random phone call one day. We were just chatting it up, and he uh, he asked if I had ever thought, would I, would I ever consider coming back? And I was like, well, yeah, I would consider coming back. I, I didn't leave because I chose to leave. I just left because my position was eliminated, and there was nothing else at the time for me to do. Um, also, you know, backing up to that, or when that started, that happened just before, the, really, the kind of the breakout, the pandemic started.
1: Right. Right. So I was so, thinking that was the reason why you you left, uh, or because because of that.
0: Nope. Nope. I I left just before the pandemic started, um, and then shortly after it was in February, um, and then shortly after that's when kind of all that craziness started going on. And so I guess inevitably I would have been gone anyway at some point, right? right? I mean, everybody kind of got. Uh, put on the back burner for that duration of time Um, but then jumping back forward um, in the meantime I've worked I've worked for I had some friends here where I live in uh, Huntsville that um, own Fleet Feet and uh, I've worked on and off for them for for, since 2015 as well Um, and so they decided they wanted to open a new store here uh, a second store and so I went in and, and basically opened that new store for them and so it was a great time. I had a great time when I was gone. Um, but then just that that phone call with Garfield that day um, when he asked, I never thought anything else would come of it. Um, but he asked if I'd you know ever thought about coming back to work. And uh, again, I I didn't leave on my you know because I chose to leave. It just was kind of you know the the circumstances at the time. And so I was always willing to do it again. I, I again I love doing what I do. So uh, if I, could, I had the opportunity to get back to doing that, I was going to do that. Um, and then really within a very short period of time, um, like I was back. I mean, right. it, it happened. It really happened from that phone call. I mean, in less than 10 days. Right. Um, it was it was done. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of where where we're at up to this point.
1: Well, I know everybody's happy that you're back because you've always been one of the favorite, you know, RDs that are out there for sure. You always put on a great race and your heart's always in it. And all the racers that know you know that that's a fact as well. Uh, Don't your daughter and your wife work for Spartan too? (laughs) Yeah.
0: So um, my daughter, Kaylee, she's my youngest daughter. um, She actually, she started working for us for a short period of time over the summer, like 2018, Mm -hmm. uh, did a few races um, stop, finished college, uh, graduated college. And again, as you know, a lot of kids do was just kind of at a point where she was like, Hey, I want to take a little bit of a break before I either one further my college, you know, education and, and go for a, uh, you know, a master's or something along those lines. Um, and then decided she wanted to do, uh, do something, you know, take a little break and get out and do a little traveling. And, um, there's really not too many jobs that offer a better opportunity to do that than this. So she came back, Um, and she's been back almost as long as I have. And yeah, she, uh, she works for Spartan. She works on the registration side Mm. and, uh, it's nice. It's fun when you get to work some events with your, with your kids, you know what I mean? It's, uh, cool to be out there and do that. My wife, on the same note, she she's a full-time teacher. she She has a teaching job. She's been teaching for a long time. and um, she she does it part- time, like right. during the summers when they're out of school, not not working, uh, and then every now and then, like the Nashville race, she worked this race, she works finish line at this event. So if it's a close race, she'll pick up a weekend uh, weekend gig at one of those races if she can. So she came out to Colorado this past summer and
1: uh, worked that race. And so yeah, so they they both uh, put in a little time. Do you enjoy the opportunity when you're the race director and your wife is working there too, that you get to boss her around?
0: <laughs> Man, you got to take any chance you can, right? I mean, right. any opportunity you get. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's one of those things like I, I jokingly tell and, and anybody that's worked with my wife at Spartan would tell you this. Um, so she, she worked, we left, um, came up, she was up there for the weekend. She worked for our Saturday, Sunday or part of the day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then she had to teach Monday morning, right? She had to be back for school Monday morning, so we left uh, late, later Sunday night than I would have liked to to drive back home. Um, but and again, it's one of those things where Kip, who was the festival manager in Nashville, he basically told her she had to leave because right. she's one of those <laughs> she committed to do the gig, right? She committed yeah. to do the work, so she's going to work until everyone else is done too. Um, and so, uh, it, having to boss her around is really never an issue. She's uh, she's always
1: one of the hardest working people there, right? So tell us about how, like, when, you know, you had it all to yourself, your first race as, you know, the race director, how did it go? What were you the most nervous about? Just tell us how that event went and which event was it?
0: So it was Pittsburgh, which was, again, you know how this is, this is, you know, everybody, if you've run a spark, you know this, it wasn't, it wasn't Pittsburgh at all. Um, It was at a a small scout reservation outside of Pittsburgh, about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, And in 2015, one of the things that Mike Morris said to me in the office in Boston when he hired me, he looked at me across the table and with as straight a face as he could. He says, I hope you know how to swim and I hope you're a fast learner because if you take the job, that's our training process. We're basically going to send you out the door and you just got to figure it out as you go. Right. Um, which, again, challenge accepted type of thing. Right. And so, um, yeah, I mean, and in, in when I coming in in 2015, there, we didn't have a lot of processes in place for there wasn't a lot of structure to the planning. I mean, listen, you got to go out and do a site visit, he, which he went with me on my site visit. You got to, you know, kind of walk the property, know, know what you can use, know what you can't use. So again, it was literally learning and like being fed from a fire hose, right? Um, all of this information coming at me. And that's, I think that's really when it clicked that I was like, holy crap, I made an awesome decision to do this because this is like, this is right up my alley, right? I mean, trail runner guy, love being out in the woods, love getting out and just being adventurous and and doing stuff like that. So, I mean, it was definitely in my element. So um, yeah, went through the process and again, I immediately started identifying, you know, this is how, Hey, this is how we do things. Uh, I'm, I'm from the mindset of, I'm always trying to figure out, you know, a smarter or a better way or more efficient way, you know, a more structured way, um, to do things. And so again, just that's the mindset I have towards it, towards everything and had it from the beginning. Um, so yeah, Pittsburgh 2015, um, was, was an amazing event actually, a really small tiny venue um i would like to think that we'd probably still be there if it wasn't for the weird parking situation go figure a weird parking situation somewhere right uh, uh but yeah uh it was an awesome event again just lear- learned it learned it on the fly though for sure
1: so you know what takes place you know when when you're thinking about using say like a new venue what takes place when you go to the initial site visit whether it's like a month ahead of time i know you have to like look for parking, you know, make sure there's enough area for that and like a flat area for your festival. But what, what yeah. takes place, you know, what's the checklist when you do like a site visit, you say?
0: Yeah, I mean, a, a site visit itself is is pretty in-depth. I mean, you can actually do, you can actually complete probably 60 to 70% of your planning process on a site visit. If you do everything <laughs> right, and you've got the time to do it um ideally we're looking for a couple key things right is one infrastructure what does the venue have for as far as infrastructure that we can utilize um to make it easier for us from parking to your point you know enough adequate space for a festival layout that we want to lay out the way we do it um and then again what 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 is the what is the property like as far as being able to put a course in there existing trails no existing trails are we going to have to create these trails um, parking's always for me like if I go out on a site visit or if I go and look at a venue that we haven't ever been to before, that's like man i just just I just need to know you've got parking on site and it's not in a field that was harvested a week before race day right right <laughs> um and so parking is critical like i mean it, nobody nobody knows that better than you guys right um parking's critical i mean and and ideally, there's obviously venues that we don't always have ideal parking and it's still available. It's still there. And it's just not convenient because you have to take a shuttle for, you know, eight or 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Um, but um, parking is a big deal. Um, so yeah, those, I mean, just it's it's not really in depth, but I, and more so um, even beyond that is just trying to develop that relationship with the pre- people that own the property, right. whether it's the city or
1: individual farm or something like that. Right. So where does the, uh, you know, whose end does it come out of when you have to like, do like the shuttle, you know, parking, like, cause I know they do, they do it in New Jersey and Vermont. And I don't know if you worked any of those races where we had like down in Florida, they had some, you were, they were the school bus to send to these fields and they were actually like a school bus you had to ride in. I want to say that was, it was like the central. Florida. It was like a super and sprint back in twenty sixteen and seventeen, but we actually yeah. had to ride a school bus down the field to get to the venue. Yeah, yeah that was at the Florida Cracker Ranch. I remember yes. that. Yes. Yeah. It was um, a good race. Yeah. So
0: yeah. So I mean so I will say this, like shut the shuttle portion of the parking aspect, if it has to be used, um, is, is literally its own planning process. Right. Right. One, because you have to commit to a shuttle company far enough in advance where they can plan drivers, plan vehicles um and know that they've got enough people to accommodate what you're gonna need. Um, and then with us we're we're selling registrations literally up until race day, right? And so mm. a number a a week out, a number could jump two or three hundred racers, which for us equates to four or five potential more shuttles, right right so uh, shuttles are complicated um, and again, it's never ideal. um it's all on top of being complicated it's also the most expensive part of that process um to get enough shuttle drivers and enough shuttles to do something um and to make it efficient and work right uh it it takes a, a ridiculous
1: amount of money to do that yeah i can imagine that make that can make or break venues as well Absolutely. i'm sure i always i've heard rumor that that was one reason why they don't use the wintergreen uh venue anymore was because of the shuttle parking there yeah, that's so. Um, so
0: before I was fit, hired and actually offered a job, um, I one of my trips up to Boston um, in the office. Mike says, "Hey, if you have time, we would love to send you to a race. Can you do you have time to go to a race for a few days?" So I did, right? And I actually went to um, if if you I don't know if you've ever went, but um, our old Chicago venue. Um, which was just southwest of Chicago, about 65 miles. It was called Cliffs Insane Terrain Park. And it was, it was ridiculous. Like this place was insane. It was, it lived up to its name, right? <laughs> um, so I went there and then right before we finished there, um, I got a call from Mike and he said, Hey, um, if you're interested, if you have time, I'd love to send you over to Virginia to just to help with race weekend at, at this venue here. And he kind of explained to me wintergreen, right? And, um, he was like, they, if you could help out with parking, parking has always been kind of crazy at this venue. Um, and it would be a huge help. It'd be a great learning experience for you. And, and, and understand at this point, I wasn't even an employee. Right. I was just kind of testing the waters to see, Hey, is this something you're going to be able to do or get into or like, and so, yeah, I jumped on a flight, went to Virginia and it was winter green. And, uh, I'll never forget that, um, the RD that was there, uh, First day, he takes me up and I go to a meeting with him with all of the um, Wintergreen staff, right? The people on the property. And uh, he introduces me as, hey, this is the new guy that's going to tackle parking this year. And everybody in the room
1: laughed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I was like, I had no idea what I was in for. Well, then after that, I kind of got briefed. you know, the year before uh, in 2014, all the shuttles came off the mountain, were having issues and literally made a, made a right hand turn and left, went the opposite way of parking and left, left the venue midday on race day, holy shit! Yeah. And so that's what I was in for. Um, But to answer your question. Yeah. So wintergreen was a great example of that. That was really taxing on the vehicles themselves. I mean, you can imagine all day up and down a mountain 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 and shuttle and buses, right. Um, Wasn't good for the buses. Um, However, we did not have a
1: repeat of the problem in 2015 when I went, we had a, uh, we had a much better plan. So, right. Hmm. Good deal. So, as far as being like a race director goes, what is the the hardest part about your job? Uh, the hardest part about my job
0: is keeping the team motivated and focused when we get somewhere and the weather is just shit. Right. Crap. I can imagine. Like, completely crap. Well, I mean, this year in Jersey, I mean, the first four days we were on site in New Jersey this year, um, just a couple weeks ago. It rained, it started raining at 5 a.m. on Friday morning, day one on site, and it did it never stopped raining until Monday night, almost Tuesday morning. Mm. Right. And so, you know, a lot of these guys on the production teams may be going from one race directly to another to race. So you think about it, they just spent 14 or 15 days on site through a tough cycle. Some of them came from Vermont. So imagine. Mm working a full Vermont race cycle coming directly to New Jersey and then having to deal with that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, especially late in the year, keep it, keeping the teams and the and the guys motivated and, and engaged and just keep I, my goal. I, I tell everybody,
1: my goal is to keep them happy. Right. So as far as being like a race director, what is your most favorite part about the job? Um, I would probably say, it's going to revolve
0: around the people, right? I mean, the the people that I get to work with day in and day out and the people that I get to interact with on race days, um, you guys, right? Just the relationships that have been formed over the years there. Um, man, I've, I've met and worked, I get, to, I get the opportunity to work with some of the hard. I tell everybody there, there, is, I've never met anybody anywhere that works as hard as our production teams on the ground when we're putting a race, a race together, uh, on site. Um, so, just that reward, seeing seeing all of the the results of the planning, you know, I mean, because our, our planning cycles are 12, to, you know, 12 to 15 weeks long for each event. Right. Um, and so seeing seeing the results of that planning cycle come together and, and knowing you get on on the ground with with these guys and you get to work with them side by side and, and make these things happen. Um, and then again,
1: getting that feedback from you guys
0: on race weekends when it's all said and done.
1: You were talking about the weather being bad there in New Jersey. I vol- I used to volunteer a lot more before they started doing the season pass deal, you know, yeah. and in 2015, it was, ai don't, it may have been a one and done venue, but it was in union city, Georgia at a ATV park called Durham town. Durham town. And it rained that whole week leading up to the race. And I went and volunteered one day there on build and it rained on us the whole day there and just moving around the venue, you know, and it's already an ATV course. So it was already chewed up and red clay. And I was thinking to myself, this race is going to be nuts with all this rain. They're getting it to, to this day. I would say that race, Was more muddier than Carolina 2019 and that's the one everybody says was just really muddy. This race was insane how muddy it was. I couldn't believe it. You were running. It was like running down a muddy dirt road in South Georgia, the entire race. It was insane.
0: Yeah, so it, it's funny you bring up Durhamtown. We I just had a conversation with the staff member this weekend in Nashville and going it was our construction manager and it was again, we talked about Durhamtown and what a, a absolute craziness that was. Um but yeah, I think that one and then um Glen Rose, Dallas, um the old mm-hmm. Dallas venue in right. 20, 2015. Um because I did that was well, like my second or third race that I'd ever done. And I did that um, one too. And I think it was, yeah, twenty fifteen. It, it rained so much mm-hmm. that 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 Thursday night and Friday night, right before race weekend, we had we had to cut like three miles of the course off. And uh, I stood at as crazy as it sounds, and people don't believe me unless you were there and understand. Um, I literally stood at seven foot walls and watched like half of the elite field. And this is back in the day when the elite field was Hunter McIntyre bracken. Yeah. Um, you know Isaiah and all those guys, right? And so I literally stood there and watched every one of these elite guys get to the wall, and they couldn't even jump over the wall because the mud was so bad. Wow. They were stuck to the floor, stuck to the ground. So yeah, the the mud is the mud,
1: man. It just it makes our lives miserable. So it, it's funny, you know. You talk about that race. Me and Michael, we had this bright idea, and we got this awesome deal. You know and it was 2015 we we flew to dallas got a rental car and got back on the plane after the race and flew back all in one day and we Oof. got this deal it was like 400 bucks and that was the rental car included because we only had the rental car for like i don't know eight hours you know yeah so and when we got there you know we was on that dirt road leading in and traffic was backed up for hours you know because oh, yeah. of, Because of the course, I think like a road was washed out to get in. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah, we couldn't even get into the venue the main way. Yeah, the main entrance. Yeah, and we were figuring, you know, because we were just running open because it was 2015, that was our first year doing it. And we were thinking, well, our start wave was like 10 10 a.m. And we were going to get there at like 9.15. And we're like, well, maybe we can jump in an earlier wave. That way we know we'll have plenty of time to get back to the airport, you know, because it was an hour drive, get back on the plane and get home. And then we're sitting in this dirt road for like, I don't know, two hours and I'm sitting there thinking, well, the latest we could start this race would be probably like 12, you know, 30 and still be able to finish it, you know, get back in the car, drive back to the airport. And so we ended up getting in there and starting the race at like 1215, you know, and it was, it actually worked to our favor that I think that was like a 10 or 11 mile beast because y'all had to cut a couple of miles off of it. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We were able to get back to the airport and make our flight (laughs) that's amazing yeah because that yeah nothing that day went as planned for anybody i can assure you yeah that that was a fun race too i remember you because that the dunk wall was like out in the middle of this pond and that was back when they were still making them out of wood oh yeah and so we were swimming out there to it and michael he he just swam right up underneath the water and just hit the column in the center with his head because he didn't (laughs) he wasn't even thinking there was a column in the center because you couldn't see it you know yeah yeah i do i remember that
0: that was good so that was a norm norm was the course manager for that race um
1: yeah that was good yeah yeah that was a good race i enjoyed that race too that's
0: that's still one of my all-time favorite venues um just everything about that venue was almost perfect
1: yeah, it was a it was a very fun venue. Like I said, we had a good time out there, even though we had to hurry up and get back, you know. Yeah. Um, so I know that you went like you already said, you did the New Jersey Ultra this year and a lot of people loved it. And they were talking about how they enjoyed the new path that you ran out there. And I know you went out like a month ahead of time and kind of, you yep. know, researched how to m- make a different path for the Ultra this year to kind of change it up tell us a little bit about you know why you did that and you know what thoughts were going through your mind when you were mapping out say a new route yeah so
0: it's ironically enough this venue so we've been at new jersey we've been at Vernon forever um i mean i want to say 10 years maybe 11 years now we've been there for a long time um and i think every year that we've been there it's been twice a year right so again right. that's it's i mean you it's just getting to the point where just look so one of the things i'll back up for a second one of the things that we do as we plan um each event whether it's someplace we've been before or not we, we want to look at it if we've been there before obviously we we do look at and take into consideration the feedback from the results of surveys that are done the previous year right mm-hmm. and so there, there's a couple things i'll say about new jersey to help people better understand this is one is it's a really good venue for a beast and an ultra because there's a lot of challenging terrain and there's a lot of opportunity to, to get different places there. And while I say that, I I personally don't think that it's a very good venue for a sprint and a super so much more so the sprint, because now that we're at these much more closely um, dialed in distances right um, so what what you get in jersey for a sprint that's all you're ever going to get there, there's really no other option there um, because you can't get far enough in another direction and back and preserve that 5k distance within our thresholds of you know plus or minus x number of you know distant feet over that right so Going into it, um, one of the things that they've asked us to do is and this, I know this is going to come as a surprise to some folks, because it's something that's something we don't talk about a lot. One of the things that they want us to do, because their infrastructure, mountain biking and all of the other activities that they offer in the summer, in the spring and the fall, leading up to the ski season is growing, like a lot of these ski mountains do, they've all figured that out, is they want us to create a permanent course there, Mm. right? they want a permanent route. The route doesn't change. And so the only thing that would ever change if we do that obviously is the obstacle locations or, right. or the obstacle placement of what's there. And, and again, we're, we're very limited on that. I mean, you, you can stand there right. and look and see that there's not a bunch of places to build an obstacle because you need flat ground for a lot of it. Right. And so that was the intent of my site visit, uh, about a month out going in was really to kind of go in and meet with our point of contacts and the mountain guys, And really kind of identify um some areas that we can go and while while my goal was not to come out with a permanent course my goal was to come out with at least another option versus what ben used at the ultra in the beast last year there um so that we know that worked right we know what ben did last year there for the ultra and the beast we know that worked and that stayed within their guide their parameters of where we can or can't go Um, and so my goal was to go in and figure out maybe just, just something a little different. And it's not really different if you've ran there years ago. Um, uh, the first time I did New Jersey was 2016. I did it both, both both distances in 2016. And so the first time I did an ultra there, we used Norm and myself, we used that spur that I took down, um, out on the back side of the lakes where you went down on the one side of the lakes, went down the mountain and came back up and around the back of the lakes. And so. That's always been one of my favorite parts of that property, right? The lakes are beautiful. I mean, it's just, you know, there's there's already pre-existing trails out there. And so, um, unfortunately, we hadn't used them in quite a few years. So, it made a lot of work on Woody and and his team to to get out there and clear those trails up a little bit. Um, But going into it, my goal was just to give us another option so that we weren't stuck down to just, hey, this is going to be the course now and forever. Whereas, we know we can use what Ben did. We know we can use what I did this year. So now we have some options to kind of tinker around and play with a little bit going forward. Because again, I I think we're going to be in New Jersey still for years to come.
1: I hope so because it, it's like you say that that's a great venue. It's it's challenging. Yeah. I, probably the biggest bummer there is you do have to use the shuttle parking there too for yeah. a little bit. Um, it's great that they do have enough parking to where at least the ultras can get there early and park on site. That's great for the ultras yes. for sure. I agree. Um. One thing uh, about that venue that I always tell everyone is, a lot of people say, "Well, I'm going to sign up and do my first ultra, and I'm going to Killington." I always say that's a bad idea. You need yeah. to do, you need to do New Jersey first because New yeah. Jersey is like Killington light. You know, it's, it's not, exactly what it is. Yeah, it's you know, it's a just a great stepping stone for Killington because Killington's going to punch you in the balls, and if in New Jersey is just a great way to figure out you know Killington's going to be like this but just a little bit worse you know so yep. that's why I yeah, always I tell people that's just and especially it's east coast that's a cheap ultra to go and travel to yep. it's there's a lot of affordable hotels within an hour to stay from there so and I mean to me it's probably one of the cheaper ultras you can fly to for sure yeah, so agree so I always tell people do that one before you do Killington. And if you just have to go to Killington, do the beast first before you do the ultra, but yeah, that's kind of, that. and and I hear different advice about that too. Some people say, if you go to Killington and do the beast, you're not going to do the ultra because the beast is going to be so hard. You're not going to want to do it twice, <laughs> which I kind of yeah. would agree with that too.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you though. So, I mean, that's people ask me all the time. Hey, what wh- what should I try as my first ultra? And I'm like, you know I mean? Honestly, you know, I mean, we, there's a lot of I mean, go to Fayetteville if we do one there or go to, you know, I mean, I mean, hell, we're doing one in South Carolina, Newberry in, in a couple of weeks. Right. Right. Um, for somebody who's never done an ultra before, we, we may set that we may set the fastest known time for a Spartan ultra in history uh, in, New, in North Carolina or in South Carolina when we get there in a couple of weeks. Um, but, yeah, if you want the challenge. Yeah. I mean, I think you're spot on. I mean, I think New Jersey is an ideal starting point for an ultra that's challenging. Right. right. That's really going to push you um, again to, like you said, without kicking in the balls
1: and then keep kicking in the balls a couple more times. Right. So you led into it. So I wanted to ask you about Newberry. I I heard you were going to be the race director there and just, we had the super and sprint there last year for the first time and looking at the, you know, the plots of land that are there, there's not yeah. a lot of land to work with. So I'm curious, have Have you already done kind of like, you know, your pre-check for the race or are you doing that soon? Yeah, um, maps are
0: done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just so, again, it's the, the, as the planning process goes, maps are usually done um, from our perspective, probably five, six weeks out. Right. right we've got a we've got a pretty um pretty solid process in place i mean we go we do site visit we come back we design a rough draft of the course try to design a rough draft of what we want the festival to look like internally we go through a review process make any changes we need go through a second review process and then boom we're done right so then we can move on and start because a, a lot of things can't be done whether it's permitting or you know things internally that we need from the venues we have to have all that done in order to proceed beyond so um yeah, the, the course is done. Um, and listen, I mean, there, there's nowhere I can go there to gain any elevation. It's, there's just not, I mean, it's just not there. Right. And so it's minimal. Um, well it's but, still more yeah, than
1: Fayetteville. So that, that we
0: it's going to be close. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be, it's going to be close. Um, but like I said, it's going to be fast, right? I mean, if you want a good fast ultra, this is going to be it. I mean, this is going to allow people to really get out there and get after it. Um, and just honestly had to be pretty creative to get the distance. So,
1: so and and that was what I was curious about because I know like part of that's public land because they have like a a trail there. Yeah, there's a, a county park yeah. right there on the backside. And then like the others, like is and it's conjoining to like a property owner's land too. And they're yep. I guess they've, uh, I guess there's agreements for us to do it there to bring the the revenue to the town, correct or something like that.
0: Yeah. So the the main farm is the Johnson Farm. Right. Um, and the uh, Gordon and Blackwell Johnson, um, they're amazing people. Uh, again, so the, the relationship we have here at this venue and like what we have with Perry and Nashville at Neal Farm, um, they're, they're ideal. Right. This is right. what is in the events industry. These are the relationships you really kind of dream to have. Um, because they want you to be there, they're willing to do and help you with almost anything that you need to make the event a success. Um, and so that that part of it is ideal. But going into it with just the Johnsons' farm and the park, there definitely wasn't enough property to do a beast and an ultra. So the Johnsons went to their neighbor. Um, mm. So if you're just looking at the at a map, uh, it would be their neighbor to the east. Right. Um, And uh, talk to them and they were able to help us secure their property um, over there to uh, to utilize the extra distance that we needed to uh, to be able to make this work. So,
1: yeah. Well, that's awesome, because I remember when, you know, a lot of us on discord, when we didn't know what was coming, when we saw a new venue, all of us were going and we were actually looking at like deed records for the the land there. And, and that's when I saw, well, you know, you've got a trail here that's public and then you have, you know, the Johnson farm where where you said this was going to be. And I was looking at it and I was like, well, there's a bunch of land here, but it's on the neighboring land. And I was thinking when they said they were going to put an ultra here, I was thinking, I bet they're going to talk those people into letting us use that land to get that extra distance. But it was a great, it was a great super and sprint, you know, cause you were yeah. in the woods on that trail and it's a great trail there. And we got to run, I mean, there was some, some decent hills on that power line road that yep. were, that were exciting to run as well. Yeah. We're going to utilize that space again. So we're, we're utilizing everything this time. So that,
0: you know, Newberry, the town of Newberry is, is really kind of amazing in itself. It is, um, man, it's a beautiful old town. And everybody there wants you to be there, right? They all want us there, so uh, um, it, it's really kind of ideal. So I, I hope I hope what we've got works, and it I hope it, it does what it needs to do. Because again, I just think there's a lot of opportunity at the property. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I like it because it's just another. And it's another way. I mean, even though I've we've done the venue as a super and a sprint, I welcome it as a new ultra venue. You know, always doing a new ultra venue is always exciting. So, and yeah. it's like you said, the town was very welcoming. I remember because there was like when they posted this venue, we immediately started looking for Airbnbs, and there was like two or three in the town tops. Not much, yeah. And yeah. we've got this. um, it was a uh, Airbnb and it was like an old like historical district like two story yeah. house like 12 foot ceilings and it just looked like an antique museum and they the the host was great and we literally were like a block away from downtown and we yeah. walked downtown and every single window downtown they had a Spartan logo you know printed out on the window just welcoming welcoming yeah. us to the town and you know they were Offering discounts on whatever they yep. were selling or at the restaurants. It was great and it felt yep. great and you could fill it in the town. And that was just another really awesome thing about that race. And yeah. I know one th- thing is that had to be one of the deepest uh, dunk walls we ever had. You could swim in the
0: dunk wall. Yeah. Did you it really? Was, nice. It was awesome.
1: Like again. you could barely touch the ground in that dunk wall. That was awesome. All right, I'll make make a note. We gotta do
0: a little one more scoop of dirt out of there just to <laughs> be a little bit deeper.
1: <laughs> it was fun. I know I know several people including myself, we saw how deep it was and we just dove in it, dove under the wall. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. That's good. But uh yeah, man, I, I know everybody's looking forward to that venue as an ultra. I know Brett's yeah. gonna try to do his quad Fecta again there, so <laughs> Well again
0: this I like I said this one's definitely going to be fast enough where there's a, there there's a lot of possibilities for uh, a lot of success on an ultra here for sure.
1: Yeah and I think you know Bre- I think Brett's more prepared this time than he was in Fayetteville. You know he just did a yeah. uh, 100k here a few weeks ago so I think he's I think he's ready for it this this way for sure. Good. So um Good. I wanted to ask you about um uh, you know, like you're from Alabama, and you did the Alabama race that we we had there. You know yeah. what? It was like what happened to that venue? Why did we lose that venue? I know a lot of people like the Alabama venue. I loved it.
0: Yeah, I loved Land when we went down there. I mean, again, so again, that's another great example of like the whole community, which was surprising because it was Mobile, right? And so right. the amount of support and the, the just the overwhelming. Like welcome that we got as a company from everybody down there. Um, but here, so to answer your question, I think what happened was um the bulk of the property that we did have access to um after the second year was sold um, for the the to uh, housing developers. Mm-hmm. and so and they I mean, if you go down there now, I mean there's probably fifteen hundred homes um oh, wow. in, that, in, in that area down there now all built within the last six years five or six years right so um yeah so it was just a matter of the money from the housing development housing market was much bigger than the money from us so um just couldn't get it back in there that's a bummer man that was that was a really cool venue you know yeah it was yeah we enjoyed it i, I went i went down a couple of years and ran it so i mean I, i've again loved it had a blast it was definitely cool and it was convenient because um my wife's family my brother-in-law and his wife and they they live in Pensacola right and so they they came over and yeah it was fun
1: convenient you know that would be cool you know we where they did the world's toughest mutter, I mean I know they kind of had to sprint at the last minute to get that venue but that would have been a great that would be a great Spartan venue too
0: yeah and so I think and yeah so now that obviously it's one entity right obviously still being kind of uh, managed and, and run separate, but again, one entity, right. Um, I think there's definitely an opportunity, you know, I mean, obviously I know they're, you know, from a Tough Mudder side, looking at the venues that we currently use that they don't and vice versa. Um, and so, yeah, I think we'll, we'll hopefully be able to see some, you know, intermingling of these venues, uh, across the, across the table, so to speak, because, you know, they, they, you know, they use Perry's, you know, Neil farms in Nashville. I mean, they just use the other
1: side of the property, um, where his mom lives. Yeah. Dan was telling me that when we did the, um, ultra call last week and saying that on the other side, you know, they've got probably enough room to do a beast there too.
0: Yeah. So last year when I rd did the Nashville event, event there, um, I went up and I went to the other property to see, cause there was talk. Hey, maybe do we, do we want to move? And even Perry was like, Hey, do you, you, do you would you be interested in going to the other side? Right. And so we drove over to that side and it's definitely more ideal for the way the mudder side works, right, mm. from a dig standpoint, um, because that's the one thing that people don't understand is where we're at now, where we put dunk wall and rolling mud this year mm. and last year. That's the only place on the property you can put it. That's the only place that we've been able to dig where you can dig enough um, right. to get in without hitting just like just solid bedrock. And so the other property is not that, which ideal, is ideal for Mudder because they have so many digs, right? And right. so it works. Um, I, I didn't think, personally, I didn't think it was cut right for what we want, just from a festival layout and from the parking, mm-hmm. just due to the volume and the quantity of people we bring in for parking versus what they bring right. in that venue for parking. So uh,
1: we're definitely on the better side for us that Nashville venue that we use, it's amazing. You know, you go to it thinking, Oh, it's just another cow farm. It's going to be flat, you know, nothing interesting about it. Like another Charlotte, you know what I mean? Yeah, but that yeah. venue is amazing with, you know, you say all that bedrock that's in there, you yep. know, it's, it's unique and unique, you know, and you go through that riverbed that's, you know, always drained. you know, and that's just, that's a fun little run through there. And, you know, and the beginning of the race this year and last year too, where you run through the woods and like the first three quarters of the mile of the race is very technical running and it's, it's, it's very fun, you know, and for everybody that ran the sprint that didn't run the super, you, you missed out on a great run through a, you know, a, agree a creek that has no water in it i mean it was
0: and, and two for what it's worth um i obviously it's just a matter of I, this is beyond what i have control over or do um there there's room to do a beast on this side too on the side we're on we could get right. a beast in there right i mean there's there's a little couple little sections that we just we have room to play around with and could could adjust and you know make things work so uh i definitely think we could get a beast in if we needed to
1: you know and that would be cool too because it would bring you know another beast or trifecta weekend to like the mid more midwest you know or mid yeah. even middle southeast yeah somewhere central. In central
0: yeah central <laughs> yeah.
1: southeast central yeah. southeast yeah but yeah that's always a cool venue and it, it always turns out to be just a great race i don't know what it is yeah. about that venue but it's just always fun it, it's fast yeah. but it's exciting and i i love that venue i'm i've been i've enjoyed it I guess it's been there three years now, four years, third year. Yeah, we just did our third yeah. year. So. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, and year. again,
0: another great example though, where we have a venue owner, right, who is just like he's bought in. Perry's in it, right? He's whatever. Like whatever you guys want to do, you can do. If you need me to help, let me know. I'll help, right? But they're just super supportive. Um, even you know that even as far over into you know the town of Lebanon, they're super supportive of everything, right? Um, I remember last year I had to go. I had to go on Friday before race weekend and meet with the alcohol board right to get the <laughs> final permit signed. This is Friday afternoon right um, and so not sure what to expect i all I knew was I had to bring a check right um and so I walk in and I walk into this meeting, and there's literally five people sitting around a table. The youngest one had to be seventy wow. right, and I was in there, and the whole business portion of that meeting took literally less than a minute oh and yet they wanted to sit around for 20 minutes and talk about hey talk tell us about spartan right right so i mean again they everybody's supportive right they did that was just their way to get get the scoop on what's going on you know um but they loved it everybody loves it there so again super super good super good area for what we're doing for sure
1: i bet that makes it you know a delight when you have a venue that works with you, as opposed so to say easier. a venue that puts a lot of restrictions and a lot of rules on you, where you can go, you can't do this, you can't do that. That probably makes your job a lot tougher and a lot harder, I imagine.
0: Oh, so much easier. Um, especially somebody like Perry, um, in Nashville, uh, the Porters in Charlotte, um, Bruce at McCormick Farms in Fayetteville, right? I mean, they have all they have all the connections already right and so it's like if you need something just say it like it's there. like bruce and mccormick farms in fayetteville let me there there's nothing that we cannot ask him for that he cannot produce
1: nothing that's, that's awesome
0: happen, right and so and, and he's got all the connections that, i mean that, that farm has been there 200 years right and so right. um there's you know they they just they know everybody and so everybody's yeah it just yeah they're, they're, those places are hard to beat
1: for sure That's cool. I I know if I was a property owner, it it would be exciting to me to have an event like this take place on your property and just sit there and just watch it unfold. You know, I think that would just be exciting on its own.
0: Yeah. I can't count the times I've been at Porter farms and watched the whole family sit up on the, on the porch of the house, right above festival, and just all day sit out there and watch these runners run by all day. (laughs) Right.
1: So yeah. Yeah. So Man, I'm out of questions pretty much, but I got some, I got some people that wanted me to ask you some questions. So no, just scratch Michael's questions off; his don't count. So I, I won't ask one that he told me to ask you, but he 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 wanted me to <laughs> I, ask I you. He he wanted me to ask you about the Barkley Fall Classic that you went to.
0: Man, so, yeah. So I I am a trail runner right? I, I don't, I could care less about an obstacle anywhere. Um, I've done, I've done one of all of our distances. I've done multiple of some of our distances. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've, I've done that, but I think from, from my perspective, what I enjoy doing is I, I would rather just get out and run 25 miles on a trail somewhere, you know, and, and that's, that's where I get my peace and my joy and my love for what, what I do and what we do. Um, and so, yeah, it's, man, it's that race is it's one of those things where it's one of those races where it's so easy for someone to do it and try it once and fail and just be done with it because it's so hard. Right. right? I mean, it's hard. I've got a 50 K here where I live in Huntsville um, that I've done. I'll do it in January and that'll be my sixth time doing it. Um, I've never not finished. Right. And so the distance doesn't bother me. Um, I go down to Birmingham, south of where I'm at, and do a race every year in October called the Endless Mile. Uh, it's 48 hours, right? And so, again, the the time doesn't bother me. Uh, um, and and there's just something about the bar. If if anybody knows about the Barkley story, right, the big marathon and the kind of the lure behind that and the difficulty behind that, the Barkley Fall Classic is all of that, right? Just a shorter version of it. And so I got into it by luck last year, the first time I tried it, um, not thinking I would get in because, again, it's one of those, they open registration and immediately there's a wait list. Immediately, right? Right. There's a lot. And and the the people guaranteed in are previous winners, previous finishers. uh, And then it kind of goes from there back. Um, But I got in immediately, which I was surprised. And so went up and... Fortunately, going into my first attempt at it, um, my my running coach at the time, his name is Rob Younger, and he's from he lives here in Huntsville. Um, he's one of only literally three or four people that have finished every Barkley Fall Classic that they've done. Right. Right. He's been um, he's been he's ran in the big Barkley numerous times. He's got a fun run finish out of that. Hmm. Um, and so he, there's there's very few people is familiar with the, the park and the terrain and the in the in the uh, actual event. Um, as he is. And so I felt good going in. Um, but man, quickly, quickly, quickly <laughs> humbled. Um, you know, I got, I think I ended up at about 21 miles uh, last year. And man, it's just, it was just a matter of beating the cutoffs. Cause if the terrain and, and all of that isn't hard enough, the cutoffs are extremely tight. Right. And so, had a blast. Loved it. it. I mean, instantly it shot to the top of the list of like, the hands down, probably one of my top three favorite events, period. Right. And so signed up immediately. As soon as registration opened, boom, went in, ultra signed up, got it all in there, right to the wait list. And time goes, and time goes, and and I and I this year was on me. Like last year, I just didn't make the cutoffs. This year, I just didn't prepare. I mean, I didn't. I I failed to prepare properly for it, Um, and partly because I didn't get in until I don't know a month and a half out from the start. Right? I mean, I well, I was in Jersey on my site visit for Vernon when I got the email that you got in, right? So like, I'm literally going to sleep. It's nine 15 at night. I'm laying down on the bed and I, my phone dings and I'm like, I'm not even going to look at it. Well, shit, well I got to look at it. Mm-hmm. I should have never looked at it <laughs> right? because like immediately I wanted to get up and put my running shoes on and I can run up the mountain, you right. know? Um, and so I, I made the, just the, this, the strategic mistake of I failed to prepare. Right. And so the only thing that set me up for was failure at the event. Um, I got, I think I about 18 miles in um, and was not actually in danger of missing the cutoff at the next point that I was coming to. I actually had probably 45 minutes um, to to go before the next cutoff. The problem was, is it was literally the biggest climb Mm. in the course. Right. Right. And so I, I just mentally didn't have it in me to make that climb in that period of time um i w- i wouldn't have made the climb in that amount of time i mean that's that that climb's probably an hour at best for me um so anyway yeah it's a crazy event man um i and here's the crazy part i'm i'm it's barkley fall classic 2 jason zero right on the scorecard right. um but i'm i'm literally ready to go again like i'm and i'm taking a completely different approach to it this year like i'm i my training plan is done like i right. have a training plan from now until start of the race next year right and so, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take a different commitment. I'm not in it yet, but I'm going to train as if I'm in it. Right. Um, because I have no doubt that I'll get in at some point. Um, and yeah, it's, it, I, I highly recommend it. 10 out of 10. If you get the opportunity to go do it, it's worth every minute of the excruciating pain that you go through.
1: Yeah, know, wasn't the weather like really bad this year for it too? Uh, it was so, no. So
0: it got bad. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it got bad. About one o'clock, one thirty in the afternoon, it started raining. Uh, and depending on what, so what makes this event so challenging also is that one, it's never the same course year to year, and no one knows what it's going to be. You only the only people that find out what the course is are the people that are registered when you go to packet pickup to get your course map, right? Um, and oh, by the way, the rules of the race, as in all of his events, the rules of the race state, you can't even share that information ever. Hmm. Like, like right now, just out of my scene, and I'm going to say this and somebody's going to zoom in. Let me do that. That's, that's the course map right there. Right. From last year. <laughs> right? right. And so, like, li- literally, if someone, if you share any data, like, there's no GPS watches allowed, you can't right. wear a watch, you can wear a. $4.97 watch from Walgreens. Yeah. Uh, but that's all you get, Right. And so that that's part of my intrigue and my lure to this event is just, it's kind of that crazy unknown. Like I've been up there, I've run every trail in the park. Right. Um, but the issue this year was people that were on the down back hill side on the prison, the Brushy mountain state penitentiary side of the course. Right. Um, if you weren't back up rat jaw, which is the most famous climb, um, in any of his events there, um, then it, it became a, it became a challenge because I, I couldn't imagine coming up that in the pouring rain
1: mm. ever. It's not fun doing anything in the pouring rain. It's really, not.
0: <laughs> it's, it's really not. And the older you get, the harder it becomes to go out and even train when it's raining.
1: Right. So, okay. On this next question, they did not want me to reveal who asked it. and oh, it's, man. And the question is, you'll probably figure it out. Who said it? It says, is is it true that you're a bit of a wanker?
0: (laughs) I have no doubt who asked that question. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, I try to be as wanker as I could possibly be.
1: (laughs) Okay, so the next question is, do you know of anything like is Spartan, you know, got any plans for newer obstacles for 2024? So...
0: I'm so disconnected in my job, what I'm doing, right. right. From that part of it. Um, we, there has been definitely some talk about that, right. Some obstacle innovation and bringing some new stuff out um, some changes to some things, obviously we're still kind of, you know, so I, I was in Palmerton year one of a right? right. Right. Went in, we, we, we did the obstacle innovation live on site for, for a um for bender right which if people know is bender now um, we did that the same year anyway so the box was one of them so we did all three of those in that in that race cycle um and point being is obviously we're just now figuring out and trying to sort out the right build setup to introduce ape hanger across the board right we so we can go into any venue and do it whether it's just on a beast or on a beast ultra or on a super beast ultra right um And so the good thing is, is we do have a series of of some obstacles that are set up by design in the way that they're constructed, that they can be configured differently, right? right? And so, uh, yeah, I would say, I hope that that's the case, Um, but I'm not in that side of it. And so I don't, I I usually find out about a week before you guys would.
1: Right. So here's your new obstacle. You got to put it together this weekend. Here's the new (laughs) obstacle. They're on
0: the list to pick from, right?
1: Well, they did great with the... um the ape hanger that they had at, uh, Vermont, they, yeah. um, it was, it was really good. I mean, I enjoyed it. And I'm, I know it was, it was very, it was probably one of the toughest ape hangers I ever did. Besides really? the fact that the rope wasn't wet at the beginning when you started climbing it, but right. it was very, very difficult. So was it build.
0: at the, was it? So the height off the ground there, I don't remember. Was it at the, like at the multi-rig height? Trust yes. Size, or what? yes. Okay, so it, our goal is I think now we're taking it up to 10 foot.
1: Right. I, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. It was higher because okay. they had the rope at the beginning of it. You had to climb the rope before you could go on it. And when you come up to the center of it, you know, because it always kind of peaks at the top, you were pretty yes. high off the ground at, at that Got point. It. Um, I want it because it was different than the way they set it up in West Virginia and Asheville, because those where you started just grabbing the ladder itself and it was low to the ground, you had to hold your legs up to keep from touching the ground. But in Killington, you did not. and But the, the ladders were so loose, it was like the next rung was like higher on almost every single rung so gotcha. it was yeah. it was super difficult you had to keep momentum going through it unless you were just yeah. super upper body you know strong but it it was good they did a really good job with it there for sure yeah i hope we do i hope
0: we bring out some uh, you know you know a couple of new items here and there i mean i think it's time yeah my opinion
1: yeah um also uh i wanted to ask you or somebody told me to ask you about the goshen indiana last year about how you know, the weather was and how windy it was at that venue?
0: Um, yeah, so I've seen a lot, um, but I have not seen that wind like that before. Um, that, honestly, I think, so one really cool venue, I mean, it really was, I mean, it's, you know, Goshen, Indiana, if if you don't know about Goshen, Indiana, um, they build more RVs in Goshen, Indiana, in Elkhart County, Indiana, than anywhere in the world, right? I didn't know that. So that's what they're known for. Um and so the fairgrounds there, it's massive. It's it's a really nice fairgrounds. And they actually had more property they were going to give us access to if we decided to go back. So I'm not sure how that all worked out. It's clearly not on the schedule for next year, um, but it's still there. <laughs> um, so yeah, we get to we get to race day and um man, it was crazy. It was really nice, and then all of a sudden the, the weather was fine. There was no rain, it was it was minimal of anything, um, just the wind. And um, I can honestly say that that's the only time I was ever concerned, like legitimately concerned for the safety of everybody, right, right, at an event. Um, Because for about 20 minutes, um, like I almost had two staff members like get blown away by a 20 by 20 tent, right? Like it was, my construction manager had to climb up on the rigging of the stage and cut like with his knife had to cut the straps that hold the backdrop on the back of the stage because it was fixing to blow the entire stage away. Jeez. Right. It was crazy it, for 20 minutes. <laughs> and then when it was gone, it was gone. And it was, again, it was perfect after that. So that was crazy. Yeah. Um, not not fun. Anytime you have fence <laughs> in the wind, uh, it's never a good combination.
1: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, all right, man. I'm I'm out of questions, but everybody that comes on, I always ask them the same questions. But I'm going to change them a little different from you since you're a race director. Sorry. Out of all the races that you've worked, what's been your most favorite one and why?
0: Um, I would say it is without a doubt now Colorado Springs, uh, Fort Carson again, there's a there's an amazing relationship with our point of contacts there. we've We've developed in the last two years an amazing relationship with the military side of it there. Um, one, it's location. Um, there there are very few I mean, again, I know you know Montanas are beautiful, and you know, and some of those out in the mountains in that part of the country. Utah is beautiful. Um, But just just being in that relationship to Colorado Springs and Cheyenne Mountain, which is where NORAD is right, literally right over the end of the venue um, and where we're at on the property. It's just a good event, man. It's solid. And so I did it for the first time last year. The venue required me to be back. They required me to be the RD or last year. I did it the year before. Um, It was them that required me to come back as the RD this past year, this year. Um, And so I've got it again next year. And I, from day one, I've petitioned. I've said that we have to have a beast and we have to have an ultra. Last year we added the beast. This year we're adding the ultra because oh, um, nice. we've got the space to do it. And it's great. It, it's hard. Like it's a hard venue because if you've not been there, everything is built into on the tops of either side or down in this big bowl. And it's mm-hmm. a tank range. Right. Um, and just getting in and out of there on both sides is crazy. It's hard. Right. And so but it's just a beautiful property. I mean, the, the whole property and just that area, Colorado Springs and, and, and it's just beautiful. It's majestic out there.
1: So it's going to be a good ultra to do next year.
0: It is definitely going to be a good ultra to do in 2024.
1: Right on. Okay. So now I want the reverse of that question. What's been your most difficult race to put on or the race you hated the most and why? I think I, I
0: can't use the word hated because I don't hate any of them, right. um, but they're, they're all hard for their own challenges. Um, but I would say, so like one of the things when I came back to work at Spartan, um, I said it right off the bat, I'm not doing Killington ever again. I've done it more than anybody here. I've already did the event more than anybody in the company now. Um, and I just, I just don't want to go back up there. Um, only from the standpoint of the venue is hard to deal with the people there are hard to deal with. Right. Right. Um, and aside from that, I don't, I mean, Jersey would be a close second to that. I mean, just for that reason, right? Um, which I do not have the ultra weekend in Jersey next year. I have the Super Sprint weekend, which I'm fine with. I'll hold on to that. Right. Um, the um, th- those two places are just challenging because if the weather's not perfect, nothing else is going to go right. Right. What years did you do Killington? 2018 was that last I year? I did, did 2016, 2017, and then I went up and helped 2018. Yeah.
1: So. Okay, because I know – what did Missy do 2019?
0: I think Missy had 2019.
1: Right. So I was there for 2018, but I, d- I didn't remember who was the RD then. But I remember yep. Missy doing it in 2019. I'm not sure who did it in 2021. I don't
0: know. I don't, I wasn't here. I think so. Tyler did it
1: last year. Yeah, Tyler did it last year.
0: And that, and, that, and you know, with them shifting us and forcing us over to bear, I said it because they, they tried to do that a few years ago. Right. right. 2018, they tried to do that. Um, and I said then, I told them then, if they ever push us over there, we're never going to come back. They'll never allow us to go back. Oh, I ever. agree. Right? Um, and I don't think we'll ever be able to go back to the other side
1: we'll see they've got that nice K one lodge and it is beautiful. Beautiful. And I'm thinking they're not going to let these racers go inside this brand new lodge and tear it up. I mean, it's just not going to happen, but.
0: uh, Which is unfortunate because like that part of the, I love Vermont, right. Right. I have, I have that Vermont is one of my hands down, my favorite places, you know, I mean, for people that don't know, like if you've been around Spartan at all, that's, I mean, that's where it started, Mm. you know, just literally, 12 minutes 15 minutes from killington man you go down joe's farm is there in pittsfield you know the the yoga studio which is across the the bridge and on the left side of the road from joe's farm that's where spartan was born right, right? I mean, the whole idea and concept um in the back of that in the back of that building right and so um i i absolutely love it you know i'm i i still go up every year in the summer and i now i help run the kids camp that we do mm-hmm. um up to the death race and sparta mount sparta challenge and all that stuff which is an amazing event if any if you know anybody that's got kids they have to come to that kids camp it is like no other
1: didn't you help do the death race in 2019 i mean i managed
0: the death race for a few years right yep
1: did you like doing that or
0: and yeah because so like all of the crazy shit that i want to do as a race director for a race i can't you so that was the, the race. <laughs> that was the outlet, right? That's the outlet for that, right? right. It's like, like there, it's, yeah, it's that that is an event like no other, um, right? Yeah, you, you can never be surprised or should never be surprised by anything that comes out of that
1: event. So you plan on doing that again anytime soon?
0: Um, so you know, so like, um, now that I've gotten involved with the kids' camp,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Um, that my that's really kind of shifted that focus to that because, man, like. So we did it last year. Was the first time I was involved um, and ended up planning most of the camp itself. Um, and then this year I went back. Um, Ruth, who runs a, is a lot of our in, the info tent for yeah. us. Ruth Rothman, um, mm-hmm. she's the one in charge of that for Joe. And so um, we've kind of put together a really solid team for that. And and to be able to go up and have this that type of interaction with kids, knowing that that's where the future of what we're doing is, um, and what we see the, the transformation these kids make in a week, right. With us right. up there, you want to talk about making kids do hard shit. Like I have kids <laughs> crying an hour in, like I, I have them crying in the field an hour in, right. You but by the time we get to Thursday, and, by the time we hit, by the time we get to Thursday and Friday, these kids are completely different people. Like I'm sure. I mean, I mean, completely different people, stronger, physically, stronger, mentally. Um, It's, it's amazing. And, I had two of them come and run in Jersey. Mm-hmm. The older of the two, the sister, um, she got to run her first super in the adult age group. Awesome. podium, Podium. And her little brother ran the competitive two-mile podium in that, right? So now we're seeing our kids that we're doing in the camp coming out to do these events. Um, and they're absolutely, they're, they're being transformed into rock stars, man. Like what we need our kids to be going forward, not what we're seeing our kids, some of these kids as. Right. So right. it's a great event. So I I would much rather stay involved on this side of it. Like mm-hmm. and usually it overlaps by a day or two. So like right. I'll jump in and help Andy out or whatever and I'll get my two cents in somewhere on a death racer somewhere. I'll make them do something stupid before I leave. So
1: right. That's awesome. Um man, be- before I let you go, I wanna ask you one thing. If you could if you could tell every racer that comes to a race, you know, what would you tell them? to make your job and your staff's job easier or you know something that you feel like we all need to know you know to respect you and your staff you know for the race
0: yeah i would say this probably one of the biggest things that i deal with from saturday morning of race weekend until monday afternoon after race weekend is for unfortunately spartan racers are probably some of the dirtiest fucking people i've met ever mm. in the in the in the sports world like the amount of trash that we have to pick up it's crazy man it's 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 like it's it bothers me it's right. that bad
1: like, i see it too it, it, you know what it what bothers mean?
0: me. Um, and, and so I will also say, though, that I what I have noticed, and yeah, I think about it way too much because I'm the one that impacts the most um, with the staff. Um, races, Asheville, Fayetteville, Nashville, down in this part of the country, not bad. Mm. Really good. I, lo- I love my people down here, right? Um, there's a different mindset of that. Um, but when you get up, like I... I mean, like, I mean, I'll use Jersey because that's the most recent example, right? Mm. Just the amount of trash we picked up on course in New Jersey was out of control. Like it was like Mm. bags of trash, like Mm. bags. you know what I mean? And so I would say I'll, I'll make it nicer when I say, the way I say it this way is Respect the property that we go to, right? It's, it's not our property. It's not your property. It's someone else's that's been willing to donate this, this, this piece of nature and and land to us to use um, and just be respectful of the property, right? right? And take, take, take it out if you bring it in, right? Take with you what you brought in. So, That would be the biggest thing that would make jobs easier on site for sure.
1: Yeah. You know, when I used to think, you know, that we were bad too, you know, especially like walking around festival area, you know, you'd see the plastic where people's headbands are just going everywhere, you know, and I pick up stuff that looks like trash and throw it away myself all the time. But I remember like the first time I ever went to like a big deal, like road race, I went and ran the gate river, uh, 10, uh, no, what is it? Is it a fifteen k? I think it's a fifteen k in Jacksonville, yeah. and once and you know once the it's a very cool race. You know, like every mile there's a live band playing on the side of the road. It's awesome and the awesome. End, At the end of the race, you go over the Gate River Bridge, which is a huge bridge. You know, and it's like the only elevation in this flat race. But it's I think they have like twenty or thirty thousand people running every year. You know, and then you go. They've got like this fenced-in area where it's like kind of like a festival area and man i couldn't believe how just nasty and trash it was like a spartan festival area tenfold worse i I couldn't believe it and yeah it it was it was insane so it's it's disheartening right i mean because like it it is
0: i look at it from a trail runner community standpoint which is the complete opposite right absolutely in, in for the majority of the trail runner communities not that way right exactly. so it's it's frustrating the other thing i would say i would to i'll say something else too to to kind of make it a more, a more positive spin on something else they can people can do and i don't say this from the standpoint of just because we need volunteers but man i challenge everybody man if you've not ever volunteered volunteer it's fun just from the experience that you get right it's different and it's amazing to be part of that side of someone else's experience. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't care what you do. Volunteer to work reg, volunteer to sweep the course, volunteer to mark course one day before, right? You did it. You said it volunteer on build, man. Yeah. There's nothing that tie you more in more into what's going on than volunteering or build week.
1: Oh, Absolutely. I mean, and, that's, you a, know, that's a different process. And I always tell somebody, too, like, if you're injured and you can't race and you're depressed about it or whatever, go volunteer and work yes. an obstacle during a race. You will have yeah. so much fun. So much I did fun. that because I ran a beast one day, and then the next day I volunteered on an obstacle, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. You know, that's it's fun. it's a lot of fun, you know, and I volunteered for half the day at World's Toughest Mudder, and that was very fun, you know. There's a lot yeah. of excitement in watching other people, you know get over obstacles for the first time, you know for the first time right? right that's why that's why I
0: like to sweep when I go to races where I'm not working, I love to sweep, man, you get out there with that last those last couple of racers and you find out, man, you start hearing stories about why they're there, and you know what I mean yeah and there's there's nothing that keeps me more engaged in this in this line of work than knowing that those people are still coming out and doing a race. you know what I mean they could have quit a thousand times easy right I but bet that's don't. fun
1: it is. well. Well, Jason, man, I look forward to seeing you at a uh, Newberry man, looking forward to a yeah, great race. You always put on a great race. Always have you, faith man. in any race that you do. It's going to be a good fun race, man. Yeah, man. Um, that's all I got, man. Do you want to tell people like if you want to reach out to you on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I try to be as active as possible on social media. So, I mean, you know, Jay Barnes on Facebook and hit me up on the same on Instagram. I mean, I'm yeah. Jay Barnes on Instagram. So man, if you, ever have questions don't hesitate ask right i'll do my best to, to answer and i try like i said i try to be as interactive as possible on all of those as i can um i'll be out at world's toughest in two weeks um so doing some stuff out there with that event and uh just kind of helping out and having fun and enjoying that um so Hopefully I can see some of the folks out there as well.
1: I know yeah. Jennifer said she was going to that event to help with timing too. So
0: Yeah. And then I've got I've got a couple of uh TM events on my schedule next year too. So Oh, which ones are you doing? uh not finalized yet so it's still i just know that there's that we're, most of us all are going to have a couple on our schedule so we'll see how it all pans out so as soon as as soon as as soon as our schedule gets finalized that's one thing i like doing is like put my schedule out so people know right just uh other people that you know it, again if people have questions about the event right or that venue or something then again it's a it's an early resource so yeah right
1: on hey jason man i appreciate you taking the time man and uh we'll see hey, man, you in a few weeks it. absolutely man
0: appreciate you uh, having me on all
1: right take it easy
0: Yep. Bye.
1: Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Jason again for taking time to talk to us. Uh, like I said, uh, I want to thank everybody in Nashville that came up to me and said they enjoy listening to the podcast. It, it, it means a lot to hear from y'all out there and never hesitate to come and talk to me. I don't care if I'm talking to somebody, just come up there and say, Hey, tap me on the shoulder. Just come and say, Hey, I love hearing from you guys. And uh, it, it, it makes me want to keep doing this. You know, I, I do this for myself and to, to meet people and make new friends. And I can't count how many friends I've made through Spartan race and through doing this podcast. But yeah, so my weekend, my weekend was great. I, I, I finally had a couple of good races that, that came together. I, you know, I felt fast. Um, you know, I've, I've, here lately I've I've placed fourth place in age group I don't know probably four or five times this year I think or you know or you know like sixth or seventh or eighth so it was it was good to finally be able to catch a break on this race and I definitely caught a break on on Saturday during um the super So in Nashville, they started off this year the same as they did last year. The first mile of the race, you run into the woods, and it's like I was telling Jason, you wouldn't think this would be a venue where there would be like technical running and like rocks and stuff, but there's actually a pretty good bit of it. This course was very technical. Even when you were on the flat field running, there was like holes and divots from the cows on the farm. But yeah, in the first mile, you're running through these rocks that are in the woods and jumping over trees. And it's just a really gnarly, fun section to run through. You know, it definitely was, I'm still a little nervous with my ankle because it's still not great. And I actually rolled it a little bit, not too bad, you know, and I was thinking, oh, that was close. But after the race, I was like, well, damn, it's starting to get kind of sore. So I I think I rolled it a little bit more than I thought. I, I taped it up really good, but I guess it, I guess it's still just a little bit of roll to it, but I mean, it's sore. It's, it's feeling a little bit better now, but anyway, so the, the spear throw was like at the first, within the first mile of this race and my buddy Ben, who's very fast runner and I, I can't keep up with him. Uh, he failed, he failed his spear and they had a really long. Penalty loop for the spear throw. I'll, I'll give them that because I ran it on Sunday. uh It was probably at least, I'm, I'm guessing maybe 100 to 150 meters. And um so I knew that I was right beside Ben when he felled the spear, and Jeremy and Joel, they were already in front of me and gone. I knew I wasn't going to catch them. And so I was like, okay, I'm in third place. I've just got to hold this. And I knew I was just going to have to stay on the gas as much as I could and you know I I was feeling pretty good you know running and I actually was thinking you know am I going to be able to keep holding this pace I'm running at or like at mile three or four am I just going to die you know so I said you know what I'm just going to roll with it if I fade I fade you know (laughs) had great obstacle uh transitions I don't I got tripped up maybe a couple of seconds at the rig And this is something I want to tell everyone that they need to start paying attention to when they come to the rig. So, as we all know, the rig has pretty much been the same where you have three rings, a bar, and then three more rings. Well, I jumped up on a stool and was looking at the row I was on and I was about to start it. And I'm glad I didn't because the third ring, the one closest to the pipe... I guess somebody swung off of it really hard and the ring was wrapped around the strap of the pipe. So if I would have started it and not been able to reach the pipe, I'd have been in I'd have been in trouble. And and that may have been one of those situations where you could have told the volunteer said, Hey, that ring was wrapped around a pipe but you never wanna you never wanna leave it up to that kind of judgment anyway. So I saw it was like that, so I went to the next row over. Like I said, I probably didn't you know, lose a lot of seconds there, but everything else I was, I was great on, you know, I, I, I don't feel like the only thing I could have done better in that race was run faster. And I felt like I was running as fast as, 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 as fast as I pretty much could. So, um, I managed to, uh, keep Ben Ben off, off my tails and, um, I pulled off third place in my age group on, on Saturday and it, it's pretty fun. You know, the, they had the, the bucket carry and the sandbag carry were pretty much back to back with maybe like a little more than a, maybe almost a half a mile in between the two of them. And, and the sandbag was on that hill that it usually is there, you know? So, you know, I was trying to kind of, I conserved myself a little bit coming into the bucket carry cause I knew I wanted to, have energy going into the bucket. So I slowed down a little bit there. You know, when I come through, all the final obstacles, great. I did pick a, I picked a shitty Z-Wall, which, I mean, it just, the blocks, the way the blocks were oriented, you know, they're all all a little different. And it, it took me a little more time than it usually does on the Z-Wall because I just wanted to be careful at that point too as well. But, you know, I, I really, it, it was as close to a perfect super race as I could have got, you know, so I was super happy with it. I think I ended up being fourth overall of all the age groups. It was, it was, it was a great race for me. I was just happy to have a great race, you know, come together like that. You know, I've been after my ankle roll, you know, and having to take it a little easy here and there, you know, and having to hold back, it was good to finally get just a good race where it just felt like, Everything worked according to plan. And so then the next day, you know, we ran the sprint and uh, Jeremy, you know, he won Saturday in age, in my age group on the super. And he decided he was going to try to run elite. And I was super pumped for him too, because I, I felt like he, he, he was going to be able to do it. And he ended up placing fourth. And I think that's the... Second time he's placed fourth in elite heat. I mean, Jeremy is not far from getting his first elite podium. So it's going to be cool when he finally does. I'm excited for him. So it was pretty much, I knew Joel was there and, and, and Ben decided he, he he wasn't going to run Saturday. So Joel, Joel's super fast and uh, he always dusts me. And I was trying to at least keep him in my sight during the sprint. And we came through that wooded section and I mean, there might've been like some jump walls and stuff. You had to go over the hay bales and it was pretty cool what they did with the hay bales here too. Cause normally when you have a race and they have hay bales, you jump over one row of hay bales and then you just get back to going. Well, there was four rows of hay bales at this race. And, you know, even though it's still kind of an easy obstacle, it was fun just having four in a row. It made it more challenging. It definitely got your heart rate jacked up. So anyway, I'm 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 right there in the mix, you know, and I think it was like five of us, and we go over the A-frame, and I do my normal little tumble down it, and I actually passed a couple of people on the A-frame, and I come up to the spear, and it's just me and Joel, and Joel had already finished his by the time I got there, and he stuck his perfectly. I pick up my spear and throw it, and don't you know, it, it goes a little too low. I'm still... I have not been, I have not been practicing my spear and I probably should be, but you know, it's still a little harder with these new targets. I'm sure everybody's probably a little frustrated with it this year, but Hey, we don't have to bur- do burpees. So anyway, I go and run my penalty loop and thinking, you know, I'm probably off the podium at this point for age group. So I come out of it when, cause it's pretty much, you did the A-frame, you go up to the spear. And the penalty loop goes all the way down past the A-frame and you turn around and go back. So you still pretty much see everything that's going on. And I saw that there was like maybe five or maybe maybe five people would pass, six maybe. I'm not sure. And I didn't know which of those were 40 to 44 and which ones were 45 to 49. So I was like, you know, well, maybe I'm I'm still in this. Maybe I can... Maybe some people will fail some obstacles, so I I was running good, you know, and I was trying to pick up the pace and run a little bit harder, especially since it was only only three miles, and uh, everything went together, like all the obstacles, I didn't, there wasn't any slip-ups, everything went smooth and I was right behind I was right beside one guy coming into the bucket carry and I wasn't sure if he was in my age group or not and I talked to him after the race and he was in the next age group up and uh he was pushing hard on the bucket carry and I was already kind of like easing into my pace and I had already passed him and he was I, I heard him coming up beside me and I was like well shoot he's ready to go so I actually picked it up and started going a little faster and uh I was able to hold it and it, and it, and it actually helped too because my buddy Noah he was up there right in front of me, and uh he was in the next stage group and uh so I was me and him ended up finishing the bucket right next to each other and we ran up to um, the sandbag carry had a great sandbag carry, and uh, Kevin Donahue was right there with all of us too, and they had like a barbed wire that was right after you know the sandbag and it was a downhill barbed wire and they had like some hay bales in there too and so when I got there I just threw myself under it and just tumbled and rolled and normally I'll roll like maybe three or four times and turn around and go the other direction to keep you from getting dizzy but I bet I'd rolled like 10 times before I'd swapped directions and then I'd roll again and then there was like maybe a couple of strands of barbed wire to get under and I'd had so much momentum going at that time i just kind of turned myself over because the grass was wet and just kind of Supermaned out of it and then just got back up into a running pace and decided I was going to take a a different uh z wall and because my buddy Tommy said he used the one all the way to the left but I couldn't remember if he said he used the left or the right side so I decided to do the right side and I still was just I was timid on it because I, I wasn't confident with the way the blocks were on it. And that's one of those obstacles where when you feel it, you feel it. And when you don't, you're like, okay, I just need to take it easy and make sure I get through it without falling off. You know, and I I haven't failed a Z-wall since, I think the last time I failed a Z-wall was in Nashville two years ago. And before that, it'd been forever since I'd fall, fell off a Z-wall. So it's still one of those things that, it's one of the things you can just have a slip off slip up and fall off of it. So anyway, I, I finished that. I come in, in into the rope climb and I'm not the best at the rope climb. I S wrap just to make sure I get on there. And the first time I tried to wrap it, I didn't get a great lock. So I didn't really get very high. And so then I managed to get up it. And then after that, you know, breeze through the monkey bars and hauled ass through all the rolling mud and come to find out I was, I'd made second place in, in a troop on, on Sunday. So I was super pumped, you know, it was great. Cause I honestly, I got lucky and got second place at Palm beach in the sprint there. Cause I'd failed my spear there too. And I didn't even think I was in the mix when I come across the finish line, but it's, it's you, no matter what happens in, in a Spartan race, You know, don't just say, well, that's it. You know, you you need to run every race like you're in contention. You don't want to leave any seconds out there. It's like I always say, you know, go out there, do your best and have fun, you know, but don't let it get in your head. Like if you fail an obstacle, don't just back off and said, well, you know, this is just another race where I didn't do good. No, just stay in it. Even if you stay in it, you still don't know what the end result might happen. You don't know if somebody in front of you might fail an obstacle. You know, stay in it. Stay engaged all the time. You know, don't just say, well, that's it. I'm just going to breeze it in. E- even if it's one of those things where you're not in contention for the podium, if you're pushing it and giving it your all, you're still practicing that race pace. You know what I mean? So just still give it to y'all because you never know what might happen when you come across the finish line. But yeah, it was, it was a good weekend. I, it's, it's been a long time since um, you know, I was able to place in my age group, you know, I I was starting to think that, you know, I just didn't have it this year to do it again. You know, there's so many good guys in the 40 to 44 range and uh, they're just, they're, they're just faster than me. And it was, good to, it was good to have a, a, a good race weekend, you know. I, I love this venue. It's so much fun, and it always just seems like there's a great race battle there. And, you know, it it it, it works out, and I always have fun at this race venue. But anyway, I've been running my mouth a lot. Um, I want to give a huge shout-out to my girlfriend. She's been working hard, got her a running coach, and she placed third in her age group in the sprint. I'm super proud of her. Uh, Michael's girlfriend Mary, she placed third in elite on Sunday on Saturday and then she placed first in elite on Saturday. so she's crushing it. Michael was there. he didn't get hurt and he finished the race. I think he was top 10 one day. so he's crushing it as we always like to tell each other. you're crushing it bro. But anyway, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Like I said, guys, thanks for coming up and talking to me at the at the race. I love meeting new people that listen to the podcast. It means a lot. I'll be at Newberry coming up in a month. I'm not making it the world's toughest mudder this year, but I'll be there in spirit. Y'all go out there and have fun for me. Um, like I said, I'll see you in Newberry in, a, in about a month. I'm sure to do a few more episodes before then. But anyway, that's all I got, guys. We'll see you at the next race. Peace we mm-hmm.